Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Russia, or the Russian Tennis Federation, are the Billie Jean King Cup Finals champions. The inaugural, I suppose you could say, Matt, um, if we're considering that this is now effectively a new event. Uh, So many congratulations to them. They've beaten Switzerland. They needed just two rubbers in order to do it. And uh, they played some quite fabulous tennis today, Uh, did the singles picks for Russia uh, in order to win this competition. Matt has been there throughout and he has been centre stage. Let me tell you, <laughs> nearly as much as the teams themselves, uh, because there was some aggro after the uh, the matches, and uh, it all took place in the the press conferences. Matt was right at the centre of it all, and uh, you're going to hear every last word of it here on this edition of the Tennis Podcast. We love a bit of aggro. Uh, we're also going to have our interview that Matt conducted with Billie Jean King a little bit later on. Um, but Matt, have I correctly summed up the day? You have, yes. We've had a lot this week, haven't we? And the one thing that was missing, really, was aggro. And <laughs> we got it. Better late than never. Um, and it's it's serious aggro. You know, proper yeah. aggro. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was sort of a tough note to end on in, in one respect. You know, we'll sort of get to that later in terms of, you know, you've got a winning team. And you're having to sort of talk to them about aggro. Um, But, you know, I do like the drama. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, just go back to the start of the day and what is effectively the root of the the problem, the root of of the controversy and the the argument kind of done through Matt (laughs) that subsequently ensued. Um, what, What actually happened today before either of the teams got onto the court, what happened today? So what happened was what happens for every tie in that an hour before the match is supposed to start, the team nominations come in and I get them via an email and they sort of, you know, they're put up on social media and they're circulated and, you know, there wasn't too much to be surprised about. We had um, Jill Teichman being named for Switzerland in the number two position uh, after her sh- strong showing yesterday. And we had Daria Kasatkina for Russia back in to the side for the first time since Russia's opening match. So that was going to be the number two singles. And then we had the two number ones, Belinda Bengcic and Anastasia Pavlichenkova named in their positions all what you would expect. Um, while I was on the way in to site, um, I got a notification. This would have been about half an hour, 20 minutes before the match was due to start, saying that there had been a replacement and that Anastasia Pavlichenkova had been withdrawn and in her place was coming Ludmilla Samsonova. Um the reason given for the withdrawal was Pavlyuchenkova having a knee injury that the independent doctor had verified. So that that was the procedure that was followed. Um, it didn't actually dawn on me straight away that this was going to cause controversy. You know, I think my initial reaction was, 
well, that's a blow for Russia, you know, not having Pavlyuchenkova, their number one player. Um, then I looked at the head-to-head between Samsonova and Belinda Bencic, and it was a 2-0 and head-to-head record for Samsonova with both wins coming this year, including one very recently in Luxembourg, actually. Um, and you compare that to the head-to-head record that Pavlyuchenkova has with Bencic, and it's a 6-2 head-to-head record for Bencic in that rivalry. Um, so then I did start to think, oh, okay, we we might have a story here. I, I, I wonder whether the Swiss are going to be annoyed about that. And look, some people may be thinking, why didn't the, uh, the Russians just immediately line up Samsonova in that number one position to play Bencic and Kasatkina in the number two position? Well, the answer to that is... Because when you initially put in your team nominations, you have to do them in rankings order. And Samsonova is the lowest ranked player on the Russian team, which meant that she couldn't be in the number one position straight away. The only way for Russia to match up Samsonova against Bengchik today was in the scenario which played out, which was Pavlyuchenkova initially named in the team and then withdrawn in that final hour before play begins and Samsonova to come in. Um, now, again, you might ask, why when someone comes in, does it not go in ranking order? Well, the reason for that is because that's the rule. <laughs> they haven't adjusted the rule from the old uh, Fed Cup where if there was an injury on the opening day and a player came in, you couldn't do it in ranking order because you needed to make sure there wasn't a repeated singles match when they played the reverse singles on the second day. So that's the reason why Kasatkina didn't get bumped up to number one and Samsonova at number two. That's very well explained. Thank you. Okay, so we have the matches come on to the court and it starts with Daria Kasatkina against Jill Teichman and immediately Kasatkina races into a, a heavy lead, doesn't she? I think she was five love up at one stage and playing beautifully, playing assertive, aggressive tennis. She was in charge throughout. She, I mean, you know, I'm feeling a bit smug because I said she'd have a bit of a <laughs> bit of a week, didn't I? You did. Um, and I mean, she was amazing. And, uh, it, and and to be fair to Teichman, she really turned it into a match, which I kind of didn't see coming. Really, it it, it looked like she she'd frozen a bit, and she was really struggling to come to terms with Kasatkina's game. But in the end, the Russian won it and and won it pretty handily in the end. So that's one zero. They were followed out onto the court by Bencic and Samsonova. Now remind me how this match unfolded. In its, in its own right. Samsonova went up an early break. Bencic got it back and won the first set, you know, pretty straightforwardly. She was playing really well. She was in a really, you know, she yeah, I mean, she looked on a mission as she's looked the whole week, to be honest. And actually, in between the two matches, Jill Teichman had been into the press conference and she had said, I have absolute faith in Bencic that she's going to win this singles match. You know, she's she's in such good form. I'm so confident we're going to the deciding doubles rubber. And it looked that way. Fired up Swiss team. Belinda Bencic's playing very well. But Samsonova did to Bencic what she did to Stevens yesterday and raised her game in the middle of that second set. Started playing really powerful tennis, but within her control and just took charge of the match. And she's got such a big game that when she starts playing like that, it becomes difficult to stop. Um, she was she was really, really brilliant. I think Bencic got a little bit wayward, perhaps a little bit um, frustrated by the situation. Um, but even in the third set, it was very, very tight. There was a two-love game by Samsonova up a break and had multiple break points to go up a double break. And Bencic held on really impressively. And I thought that was a big moment. I thought Samsonova could, uh, you know, could struggle from, from then on, having not taken advantage of that opportunity. But credit to her, she was sort of nerveless down the stretch. And it's a massive, massive 
moment in her career. You know, this is a career moment, the best week of her life. And she absolutely deserved to win the match. She was the better player. Mm, she was. Uh, there were a couple of moments in the match, and I didn't think too much of them, really, when Benchic, we we thought she sort of applauded her opponent in not not the most friendly of ways uh, after she'd hit a winner, um, uh, almost sarcastically. And then the handshake was cool. It mm. was a, it was pretty much a no look handshake. Now, I, I'm that wouldn't surprise me enormously anyway because it's a, it's such a big moment for Switzerland. They so much wanted to win it, and you know Benchic is is a, a player who doesn't hide how she's feeling at any given time. Um, so I wasn't that surprised, but it quickly became apparent when the press conferences ensued after the big celebrations for the Russian team, and they were they were absolutely ecstatic on the court. I mean, these it was a, it, that was a great moment for the Billie Jean King Cup. I think to see just how much it meant to Team Russia to to win this competition. Um, so while they were celebrating, the Swiss press conference was called and Matt was right in the middle of it uh, so let's have a listen to to what went on Heinz can I just get your thoughts on the day and how it unfolded I know obviously the emotions are still raw but just your take on the day well it unfolded slightly differently since we were told 15 minutes before the event started or the tie started at uh they switched the uh, number one player for the number four player. Now, I don't want to second guess it. I don't want to second guess it, but some people might say that's a smart move. Now, that's impossible. Because either she actually injured herself, that would be unfortunate, or they did it on purpose, which would be cheating. It's never smart. So, if the Russian team can say it was a straight face. She injured herself 20 minutes ago. I buy it. Odds are that maybe it could be something else as well. That was slightly unfortunate, I thought, because the whole tournament has been held in a very good spirit. And did that throw us off? Yes, it did. And I can tell you why, because it's not that it was a smart move. That's fine. But again, either it was an unfortunate thing that happened or it was actually cheating. Now, if it is cheating, it can't be smart just because you're not getting caught, so to speak, right? That rule should be applied very carefully, and that rule was actually written for a different format, not best of three, so to speak, because this opens up the door just about anything. Either you have to nominate or you don't. Of course, if there would be a tie where you play five matches, if this happens the first day, your number one cannot play the second day, so to speak. So that's different. So that's the take what happened in the morning. Afterwards, I have to say, they played really, really well. And they were absolutely the better team. I mean, in the second singles, um, Samsonova came up with the goods when she needed to. That played on three, four points. You know, break point here, break point there. That shot on the line or not on the line, so that was extremely tight, but she really came up with the goods, and I thought that uh, Kazatkina played an excellent match. I, I didn't look at the statistics, but she basically gave nothing away. So yes, they played extremely well, and they absolutely deserved the win, because they were, on the day, the better team. Belinda, as you were the player affected by the late switch, can you talk about how it impacted you today? Uh, yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, um, just as Hein said, we agree um, all with the same. Um, I think it was ugly, uh, to be honest. And um, I just think uh, in the end, um, I think the, the, the good uh, will win and we will come back and we will win this title. Heinz, on that note, that sort of that quite defiant note from Belinda there, you've obviously got a really talented team, a young team. How much does a defeat like this motivate you as captain? Uh, well, motivate me as a captain? No, I mean, you know, the players are the ones going out there and hitting balls. 
And uh, this team has always been motivated. Every time I have been part of this team, they're extremely motivated. Uh, they don't need pep talks or anything like that. Would we have loved to have won this? Yeah, you know, victory is sweet, obviously, and we taste a lot of it during the week. And once you taste that, it's kind of addictive. You want to go all the way. That's why it is a little bit harder how it unfolded because if you feel like you've been, you know, being beaten just by a better team, that's fine. But there's just a slight suspicion here that that wasn't just the case. It was a bit manipulated. So that hurts a little bit more, I just have to say. Now, again, we cannot be certain. You are the judge, right? Who knows? But, again, it cannot possibly be smart. That would be like in football, somebody falls in the penalty area, gets some penalty, and that was smart. No, he was cheating. And today there would be a replay, and if they catch him, well, it would be a yellow card, right? Okay, here, there's obviously no video, so there's no replay, so I don't know when she hinges herself to the point that she was certain to be able to play before, and 50 minutes prior to the tie, suddenly she twisted her knee, or I don't know what the injury is. Okay, again, it's unfortunate. And I think it's unfortunate that we're talking about it, but it is part of this, what happened today. When you ask me what unfolded, that was part of what unfolded today. Absolutely. Are we going to come back? You bet we're going to come back. And they are a young team. They're only getting better. And I don't think it has something to do with, you know, losing in the finals. We simply would like to win this cup. The men did win their cup, and the women have never won a cup. We are the second team to lose in the finals. So we're obviously good enough to be in the finals, and if you're in the finals, usually good enough to win it. So, you know, real, uh, real success is overcoming failure, so to speak. But this is not a failure. Making a finals is not a failure. So, will we be back? Absolutely. Will it be tough to beat? Count on it. Last one. Can I just ask, will you speak to the Russian team yourself tonight or not? No. I said congratulations Better on not. the court, Better and that's not. about as, as far as it goes. Sorry, Joe, what did you say there? No, I mean, it's sad that we're actually talking about this. We should only <clears throat> be talking about the tie, how we played. Again, Heinz said they played an awesome tennis. I mean, we have to accept that. But still, we're here talking about something that it has nothing to do with tennis. So it's just sad. Can I just ask one more for Belinda? Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, there's disappointment at the moment. But when you look at your season and what you've done for Switzerland this year in the Olympics and also here, you must feel a lot of pride as well. Does that bring some comfort? Um, yeah, I mean, right now I just feel like uh, I'm just very disappointed. Um, I think it was the last um, match, the last push that I didn't manage. And, um, yeah, I'm just very disappointed right now about this. Of course, um, I, I, I give my all my heart for Switzerland and on the court and I just wish it uh, it would happen different today and um, yeah I mean again I think we we all the whole team we put our heart out there every day and every match and we will do it again next year and um, yeah I just believe um, that you know and also what happened today I just believe that we will we, we deserve to win, um, just how we are as people and how we are as a team and how we are as a player and how much it means to us. So um, I always believe in um, the sport, giving you back, you know, the karma. <laughs> um, and uh, I just believe in it when we will fight back and try again, try again, try again. I think someday it's going to happen. Wow. Matt, <laughs> what were you thinking while all that was going on and and i mean also you knew that russia were going to be coming in shortly afterwards what was what was going through your mind after after that, those eight and a half minutes a lot yeah um 
I obviously asked a sort of general question just to Heinz at the beginning there. Uh, I was absolutely going to get on to this topic because, you know, I sensed, as we've discussed, that there was a story there. But obviously he went straight into it. And my being the only person in that press conference asking questions in English very much felt a responsibility that I sort of had to follow up on it with with further questions. Um, And then, as you say, once that press conference has ended, there wasn't a time given for the Russian team at that point. Um, I think think perhaps they were giving Switzerland a wide berth. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I was aware that they were going to be coming into the press conference room, you know, within the next 15 or 20 minutes, probably. And I think at that point, the big decision was how to bring this topic up because obviously they've just won the Beijing King Cup. It's it's an incredible moment in in their careers, especially for Sam Sonover. And I think, you know, Kasakina played a massive part today and Pavlyuchenkova loves this competition. And, you know, so I very much wanted them to be able to talk about how great it was and what they felt out there and how pleased they were with the victory. But I also knew that I needed to bring this topic up um we were actually messaging about the sort of best way to go about it because you were watching the live stream of the press conference while it was all happening um so yeah that's the position i was in (laughs) (laughs) i I was watching it and i was holding my breath with (laughs) with glee and ecstasy loving (laughs) the awkwardness in the room i mean look i felt i do feel very sorry for for benchich for instance and um and and Teichman because they've they've put heart and soul into that quite clearly and it and it hurts them you know and and you want it to hurt them I, I'm I'm that's what sport is all about isn't it but you're right I mean it's a, a very challenging position for you to be in and uh well look you handled that perfectly let let's have a listen to what Matt did next Lubmina, many congratulations. Uh, three and zero in doubles this week, two and zero in singles. The week of your life, can you put into words how you're feeling right now? Yeah, that's a dream coming true. So uh, I have too many emotions now. I'm, it's unbelievable what's, what it's happening now. And uh, I'm so, so happy for all the team, for the team that we are. And uh, I think that was our um, strength. We've seen this this competition be a launch pad for players in the past. You've obviously had a very good season on tour, but do you feel this can give you belief? And do you feel ready to take another step up in your career? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, uh, of course, it's uh, an incredible experience also, this one. And uh, I, I try to, to learn from every moment uh, of this week. And I hope it's going to be very important to, for my future. Um, Anastasia, I'm just, just wondering, you've spoken this week about how much you love this team competition. Um, you were obviously coming through at a time when the sort of previous generation who won this event four times were sort of leaving and you've now a decade later you're part of a winning team could you talk about that journey and how much it means to you to be part of part of this squad with yeah this well team? i guess it's better late than never um so six years ago i was playing here the final and i was three three matches uh that was crucial where marie Chapeau won all her singles, and we just needed one one point that I couldn't give them. So that was probably the worst day of my life. Um, but, you know, I overcome this, and that also, you know, made me stronger, I guess. But the main point I would like to say, um, a lot of when you play a team competition, it's about the team. It's not about yourself. And I think I've, I've learned that, and I, I wanted to bring as much as possible encouragement and uh, positive energy to all the girls and especially I'm so impressed and so proud of Ludmila because it's her first time on the team and I know how hard it is and especially um, being so strong in such a tough moments and showing the character and you know such as like such a will and like I'm just proud of all the girls what they did today is amazing and um, I'm so grateful that I'm part of this uh, incredible friendly most importantly friendly supportive team 
Igor, just a word from you on how proud you are of your players this week. Uh, very proud. Uh, proud. Uh, this word maybe not uh, describe all the uh, all the feelings I have. That uh, the girls were, were amazing this week. Uh, they, they've been uh, very friendly all the time. They played uh, played amazing. It's not easy to be around so many girls. <laughs> no, but I'm like a lucky person. Like like a person that uh, I'm here. So. Um, uh, was amazing week, but uh, not only this week, but uh, the whole uh, journey. Like uh, at some point, we, we were um, pretty low in uh, in uh, zone groups in, uh, in, Poland. in in Poland. So like uh, everything started from there, and uh, most of the girls were there from the beginning. So that uh, <clears throat> this journey, I think, also means um, a lot in order to how you. Uh, like uh, uh, commitment and everything, what they have done over like uh, last couple of years, and now we're here yes, with the uh, with, with the trophy. So that's uh, that's that's amazing, and uh, I'm so proud and so happy of, of them. They did an uh, amazing job, and uh, like, yeah, I'm very happy to be part of this team. I have to just ask um, the Swiss team. Have just been in here and really unhappy about the decision 20 minutes before to switch in Ludmilla for Anastasia. Um, Heinz Gunthardt said it was either unfortunate that an injury happened to Anastasia or that it was cheating. Um, could you just talk through that decision and the sort of events which, which unfolded for that to happen? Anastasia played uh, two tough matches over the last uh, two days, uh, three, three, three days. Uh, today she, she wanted to play, but uh, on the warm-up she felt like she uh, she's not able to uh, give 100%. And uh, since that, we, we changed uh, nomination. That, that's it. Uh, nothing more to say. I mean, because um, I have a knee issue for a long time, and the decision was made uh, because when you play individual t um, match, where you could maybe stop or you know, but that I I knew that I couldn't do it to my team, especially when we are in the final, and I I un I realized that I'm not able to give my hundred percent, maybe for a set maximum, but that's not the competition where you do it. So that was the decision. Sorry, just to clarify, you realised that during the warm-up before the match? No, yeah, I already felt, I already felt yesterday evening, but I, I wanted to try my best, and I tried this morning during warm-up, or this whatever afternoon, and I still believed that I could do it, but then um, I just couldn't even serve, so that was the decision. And I think that was followed up by one of the other journalists, wasn't it, Matt? Yes, that's right. Uh, my my partner in crime, um, a Swiss journalist, obviously in this press conference asking questions in English, um, wanted to know whether the injury was sustained in the hour between the nomination being made and the match starting, or whether it was a sort of something that she'd been feeling the night before, the day before, throughout the week, and it was just in that hour when the decision was made. Uh, he was quite persistent with his questioning uh, because he was mainly asking Captain Igor Andreev, who who wasn't really answering it. Um, you know, I should say the journalist talking in his second language with a mask on. It's not always easy to to communicate, but you know, he he really wanted to know the answer to that question. And I felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And then in the end, down the other end of the table, Veronica Kudamatova, who had not said a word, the whole press conference piped up and uh, and said that it was in, you know, in the hour and it was sustained in practice. Um, and that was that. Now, I must say that unless the practice schedule was incorrect or the practice schedule was not adhered to, Russia were not practicing in the one hour 
before the match. Uh, their practice was before the three o'clock deadline for making the nominations. Um, I, I don't have confirmation on whether that changed and whether they were practicing in that hour, but that certainly was the schedule. So, <laughs> look, it sort of rumbles on. I think when injury is involved, it's it's hard to make a judgment. You know, who are we to determine whether or not Pavlyuchenkova was injured? And, you know, I I certainly believe her that it would have been a struggle for her to take to the court today. Um I think the problem here is the rule. I think there are probably two changes you need to make to the rule. One of them is that you can't switch out a player with an hour to go unless, very obviously, an injury has been sustained in that final hour. You know, whether they've fallen over or, you know, they're practicing and something happens. I think that would be the only time it would be acceptable. The current state leaves room for manipulation there. Um, It doesn't make sense that the doctor's assessment happens after the nomination rather than prior, for example. Um, And I think the second change you you could make is that if you do have to switch out a player because an injury has happened in that final hour, the players should then go in ranking order. You know, they're very strict about ranking order on every other time you know the number one has to play the number one the number two plays the number two and yet when you sub someone out before the ties started you don't rearrange it in the way it's supposed to be arranged uh, so I think those are probably two changes that could be made to avoid this scenario happening again mm. so I mean look we we can we'll never know will we mm. um, but you, I can understand why the Swiss team are a little suspicious. I also think that you could make the argument, well, look, the rule is there. They've they've mm-hmm. made use of it. And maybe they're just smart. Maybe they are kind of, you know, clever and have just, uh, just taken advantage of what is there. Um, and maybe it's none of those things and, and it's just a, an injury that she sustained in the hour before. But she did make the point that she's been feeling it um, over the course of mm. the last couple of days, and it was quite clear yesterday that there was that there was an issue that she was starting to flag uh, as that match went on. But whatever happens, they won, and and I congratulate them for it. And and it and and they and as Heinz Gunther made clear, they were worthy winners in terms of the actual matchups that we saw out there today, and. My word, have they given us some entertainment in the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's it feels significant in the sort of grand scheme of tennis in terms of, you know, Russia in the men's game and the women's game have got a lot of very good players at the moment. They are mm. They are the dominant forces in these team events. And I think for the women... This was the fifth time they'd won this competition. All four of their previous wins had come in a very short window. I think 2004 to 2008, they won four titles when they had Kuznetsova and Miskina and Dementieva and Safina, Zvonareva, Sharapova, so many players. You know, it now feels like they've got this sort of slightly new wave of players all in the top 50 this week. Obviously, Pavlyuchenkova much more experienced than the rest of them. But, you know, they made use of that depth. Four of the five players earned points this week. There were times they were struggling. Cornet had Pavlyuchenko on the ropes. France had the momentum. There was a deciding doubles rubber against USA. And then they pretty pretty comprehensively outplayed Switzerland today. So, yeah, it was they were worthy winners. And I think, you know, it's it's pretty cool to see Samsonova have a week like this. I mm. It's one of the things about tennis. You never know who the next person is going to be that you're talking about. And I she certainly, is really exciting. She is. I certainly wouldn't have thought it would be her. You know, she actually arrived to this tournament late. She wasn't there on the pre-tournament press conferences because she was she was playing the week before. She got to the semi-finals in Italy. So I think she did sort of go under the radar, and yet she's just timed her brilliant performances to perfection and got Russia over the line this weekend. I mean, she you could argue that she's the MVP in the end. Oh, she is in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, quite something. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right. Should we have another wonderful <laughs> chat involving Matt Roberts and this one with the woman that this event is named after, Billie Jean King, the one and only in conversation with Matt. Well, it's a great honour to say, Billie Jean King, welcome back to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And Matt, hi to David and hi to Catherine. Um, looking forward to seeing you guys. I don't know when, I hope before Wimbledon. But um, happy third anniversary. Isn't this your third anniversary today? It is, yes. I think, didn't Catherine Instagram or do something? Yes, they like to embarrass me with a uh, series of photos every every 5th of November to mark my uh, first appearance on the podcast. Well, now you're at number three. This is wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank, thank you And you survived much. David and Catherine. <laughs> that in itself is quite wonderful. An achievement, yes. It is an achievement. Um Believe Jean, we're sitting here at the Billie Jean King Cup Finals in Prague. You are surrounded by copies of your book, All In, and I, I asked you how many times you think you've signed those copies, <laughs> and apparently that was the wrong question <laughs> no, to ask. No, it was ask. the right question, actually. <laughs> well, there's a, lot go- there a lot, there's a lot to publishing because when they publish books, there's all kinds of extra things they ask for. And one of the first things they did before the book went on sale is we'd really like you to do 15,000 tip-ins where you would sign your autograph uh, 15,000 times, literally. Wow. I said, would 12,000 be okay? And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be fine. So I've done at least 12,000 on tip-ins. And tip-ins are the things that they actually put in, they stitch into the book, mm-hmm. in the beginning of the book, and you'll see a big signature. And they try to give those to the independent stores, the smaller stores, to help sales for them. And, of course, I'm very... Uh, I like that. It's small business, and, you know, I want people to do well. So that was kind of an easy sell for me. I mean, it was easier for me to do it. I mean, so anyway, it was really wonderful. And uh, But no, as far as book books, oh, every day I keep saying I have no idea. We haven't counted. We probably should have counted. But no, it's just a privilege, and it took over four years. The book's called All In, and uh, I had lots of help. Marianne Ballers, Johnette Howard. Johnette Howard's a great uh sports writer but more importantly she's great when it comes to social justice it's really one of her interests same with marianne and then 
I got uh, Helen Russell was working 16-hour days, 18-hour days for over probably a year and a half to two years. Um, and trying to remember things factually is impossible. It only helps when there's a press clipping. I know press mm-hmm. clipping, everybody's asking, what's that? Uh, those are those old things, you know, like newspapers that you actually <laughs> touched, <laughs> not on the screen. And that was helpful because Helen would find out things. And, you know, I don't remember scores or... And then I remember things, and but I had the wrong year. You know, memory and truth is never the same. So <laughs> I, I really, it was an amazing uh, journey. Well, on that theme of sort of going back into the past, um, I know this event is especially close to your heart, special. You've been a fan, you've been a player, you've been a captain, you've been a playing captain, you've been an ambassador, <laughs> uh, and now you have your name on it. Um, I'm wondering, when you think of this event, what are some of the fondest memories that come to you? Well, the first thing is uh, Queen's Club in London in 1963, and we got selected by the USTR governing body in the United States to play for this thing called Federation Cup, and it's brand new, and we're going to try it, and... Um, the president, I think his last name was Stefanos, was explaining to us. I think Mary Hardwick had something to do with it as well, who was a British player who actually picked up Karen, Hans, and I the first year I came to England in the car and took care of us. So there's a lot of connections to the shoulders we stood on and all kinds of people. And her husband, Charles Hare, was very involved uh, with Wimbledon. And so... Um, I got very excited because I grew up in team sports. I'm like, yeah, we need more of this. This mm-hmm. is what I like. And I was 19, and Darlene Hard was the number one player. She was a fabulous player. She lost to Althea Gibson in the finals of Wimbledon in the, in the late 50s. And she also was from, uh, from Southern California, and I knew her. She'd helped me a little bit, so I really was indebted to her. So she was our best player by far. And then I was number two, and Carol close number three. We were like, you could throw us up and be the same. Mm-hmm. And... So I, the whole week I drove the players crazy because I love history, and I said, you know, this is making history, and we've got to have our name first on this cup. Look at this beautiful, beautiful cup. It's beautiful. And I'm like, we have to have USA because if we look at this 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, we have to see our name first. And they were looking <laughs> at me like, oh, be quiet. <laughs> you know, like, you know, here, here goes Billy with her history again. And so anyway... Um, we got to the finals against Australia. There was only 16 teams invited, um, and it rained, so we had to go indoors. Of course. Of London. course. That's fine, because I love the boards there. They're so slick and fast, and they're gray. I remember the color so well and how they felt to play on. You just had to block a lot and hit a lot of volleys. Do not you know, just keep going forward. Um, and uh, we got to the finals against Australia, and our captain, Mr. Kellogg, who was a tennis official, said, I, instead of you and Carol playing, I think you and Darlene should play because they split. And I don't think uh, you and Carol can win, but I think you two can maybe possibly win. And so I'm like, oh, boy, Carol's going to have a hard time with this, which she did. I thought it was the right choice. I thought uh, Darlene was amazing. She had to be in the mix. no matter. Darlene had to be in the mix, whoever she played with. And we were down four match points, and I... I just kept telling Darling, we have to get this one, and we have to do it, we have to do it. And we played against Leslie Turner, who is now Leslie Bauer. She was number two in the world. And then Margaret Smith, who was Margaret Court later and was number one in the world. So we're playing against the two best players in the world. And I just said we have to find a way. Because Darlene Hart was an amazing doubles player and mixed doubles. Mixed doubles, every guy wanted to play with her. She was the best. So I knew we had a chance because of Darlene. And I thought, well, I'll just try to hold on. I'm still going to school. And so anyway, um, it was one of the most exciting matches I've ever played in my life. It was so thrilling, and it was great. We did win the first Federation Cup. And so I got to play Fed Cup, or I call it Fed Cup still, sorry, <laughs> Billie Jean King Cup. I was going to ask, have you got used to calling no. it Billie Jean King Cup no, yet? I'll never get used to it. I actually get embarrassed every time I say it, and I shouldn't, but... I'm proud of it, but I'm also get so squeamish and like I can't believe it. And um, but I remember coach being player coach. I've been player coach. I've also been coach. And when I was coach, 
I'm the, probably the luckiest coach in the world. I had four number ones uh, on my team, a couple, I think at least one or two years, like Venus, Serena, Monica Sellis. Uh, we had uh, Lindsay Davenport. Then we had Mary Jo Fernandez, who was amazing in doubles. She played with Gigi Fernandez. I mean, I had all these amazing champions and people. And they had such experience as well, so it was really fun and difficult at the same time. Because it's interesting, a lot of times your very top players are more difficult uh, mm-hmm. at a personal, emotional level. But I'll take that any time. You know, I don't care. I like that. I don't. I don't mind. But then meshing or creating this team around all all of them. All of them have been number one. And I always told the team, you know. People come up and go, God, you're such a great coach. I said, I'm not a great coach at all. I had the best players in the world. They make me look good. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, coaches have to have the talent. And they were amazing. And they got along, And which a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen, but they did. And we had history lessons. I always gave them history lessons, whether they liked it or not. Like we'd go to Italy and Ancona and, the, and Venus and Serena were like um, rookies first year. And they were like, you know, trying to – find their place and I'd take them I, I, I was saying how can I teach them history I'm like how can I get them excited and I, and I know oh they like fashion so there were some old uh, Italian tennis photos uh, in the media room at this club in Ancona and I took them in there and started talking hey Venus because she's the one that really is into it the most go, look at these what do you think look at the piping look at this look at the, <laughs> look at the lace look at this what do you think about the length so I just start asking her then I go, do we even know who these players are? You know, I wonder who they are. And then we'd be in the locker room and, you know, I'd be going, who's the first person of color ever to be able to play, you know, in a major? And, and they could start going, I don't know. I said, well, let, what year do you think it is? And some would say, I remember that one of the answers, 1975. I go, okay, that's a good guess. I right, keep going. So, try a little earlier. <laughs> so those are kind of discussions we had. I always try to make it fun. But it was a great way to learn. And then I started talking about Althea. And, of course, Venus and Serena go, oh, yeah, we know about Althea Gibson. Well, I said, without her, be no you. You know, and there would have been no Zena Garrison. There would have been no Leslie Allen. There would have, I said, it's so, she is so big. And she was my first Shiro. So I got all gushy about that <laughs> because she was my first person. You know, I watched. And I knew what number one looked like. And I thought she was the greatest. And, and also for social justice and all that. But. So we started talking, and Mary Jo starts chiming in, and then, you know, Monica starts chiming in. So it's getting them to have fun first, but also to try to give them this learning experience. And then, of course, later, Venus kind of stepped up. She did step up uh, for equal prize money. Mm -hmm. And we finally got it, you know, all four of them, of the majors in 07. And so beautifully done is, you know, that Venus won Wimbledon in 07. So I was so happy for her. And uh, that was the first year we had all four majors. And everyone keeps thinking that the French was third and the Wimbledon was fourth, and that's not correct. Wimbledon decided as the third major to go in in 07, and the French followed. Mm-hmm. But because the French falls before Wimbledon, everybody keeps thinking it was, it was the Roland Garros tournament, so it's not. So it's, that's the order. It was U.S. Open, Australian, and then Wimbledon, and then the French was fourth. And when you think of that history of this event and we find ourselves here now in Prague, the first edition of, of this new format, mm-hmm. you've been here since Monday, I think. What have you made of it? How's your week been? Well, first of all, Prague's been fantastic. Um, President K- Kudurka of the uh, Czech Republic Tennis Federation came through big and he said, oh, I want it, we'll do it. And this was last spring. So they've done this really quickly, and during COVID, it's been a challenge. And because we had Davis Cup this year, the ITF is very committed to um, gender equality, to equality in the office, outside of the office, and obviously on the court with the players. And the one thing they promised, and it, you know, they had to take money out of their whatever resources they have to give us equal prize money per player. So I'm really um, pleased, President, you know, David Haggerty, who's um, such a great guy. He's very mild, and, but he's very thoughtful, and he, he thinks a lot, trying to how to make things right. And so um, I really think it's been unbelievable. I had the privilege of 
going around and meeting mo- most of the teams. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't met the USA team yet. <laughs> um, they're the only ones probably. But uh, meeting the teams and listening to them and then asking them questions and it's been really enlightenment. And they're so happy to be together because of COVID. They're so happy to be on a team. They're really really happy. I just can't believe they're almost giddy. You know, if just and they each have their own room here. That it's just beautiful. Uh, the food's been unbelievable. Transportation, everything's been perfect. Uh, the court's beautiful. Um, and we've had a lot of Czech people, of course, when the Czech are playing. But just to get this organized this quickly, I mean, I didn't think it would be. I didn't think we'd have a Fed Cup or Billie Jean King Cup. <laughs> and this is the first, actually, uh, this is the first Billie Jean King Cup. So, And I've always wanted to come to the Czech Republic. Uh, Martina Navratilova, I always talked about it. You know, I used to, used to talk to um, Sukova. uh <laughs> Actually, Vera Sukova lost in the finals of Wimbledon in 62, but Helena, her child, I just saw her last night. She's here, and we had a great talk. Um, And then I've seen Martina Hingis here as far as just, I mean, her mother's from the Czech Republic, Mm -hmm. obviously, but and she's obviously Swiss now, but uh, a lot of players, um, you know, trying to see. And I know Jan Kodish is here someplace. I can't find him. Got to track him down. But I want to see him and say <laughs> hi because we won Wimbledon together in 73. But he's just a great guy. So I saw some of the old players. It was really fun. We, the first day we went all around seeing everything. You know, like the Charles Bridge, the castle, old town, new town. I mean, it's amazing. The architecture is just beyond. It's one of the most beautiful cities. And it's really, really clean. And in the U.S., I don't. I feel like we've gone downhill a lot in that area. So I've really noticed the cleanliness, uh, and the people have been fantastic. So anybody that hasn't been to Prague or Czech Republic, I suggest you find time. We started with 116 nations this year uh, with the Billie Jean King Cup. Uh, the men had 142. Uh, we all would like to get it to at least 200 or 210, whatever, uh, how many federations there are eventually. That's our goal. Um, but it's it's really exciting. And knowing this is the World Cup mm-hmm. of women's professional tennis, I think when you say that, people understand what that is because yeah. they know it in football. If you say World Cup, everybody goes, okay. So I say, well, it's actually the – it's like the World Cup of tennis, you know, like the football. It's like – and they go, okay, I get it. Mm. You know, that's really – all right, I get it. But anyway. And, and, and look, a tennis event, a – women's tennis event a team event to have your name on it it couldn't be any more perfect i think i think everyone well, i don't everyone know feels that. i appreciate it but it go, there goes responsibility i also talked to the junior davis cup and junior uh bleaching king cuppers uh about a couple of months ago uh, virtually they were in turkey i wanted to go it was they said you, they wouldn't let me go but i wanted to go and see the kids play because i want to start trying to figure out how we can improve the experience, but more importantly, how can we help create champions on and off the court, leaders? Um, and we can do that if we start early with the Junior Davis Cup and with the um, Junior Billie Jean King Cup. And we had the junior Czech team out on the court. Yes, the yeah, we and you celebrated them. them. Yes, and I got to join them. And one of them, um, Brent, I think it's Brenda, I asked one of the questions virtually, so it was great to meet her in person as well. And anyway, it's just amazing. I, my life's been amazing. I pinch myself every day. I'm one of the, I am one of the luckiest people that's ever lived. Well, I'm pinching myself right now, getting to share 15 minutes of your time. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. And enjoy the rest of your time well, here in Prague. Well, I'm really happy you're here, and it's great to be on the tennis podcast again. I love you guys. How is Catherine, David, and Billie Jean? Billie Jean just celebrated her first oh, birthday. She's so precious. She's so sweet. She is. I must have. What day is it? Do you know what day it was? Uh, November know. the 4th. What? It was yesterday. No way. I would have done something special. <laughs> All right. Now I've got it. All right. November 4th is Billie Jean's birthday. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Matt. Well, that has just given me a big old warm feeling inside, Matt, hearing you having a conversation with Billie Jean King. And. Oh, just so so happy you got together and it's so lovely to have her on our show again and um, I, I still can't quite believe that a year ago 
she'd never even heard of the tennis podcast <laughs> i don't think and uh um you know the idea that one day we might get her on the show is something we were striving for and uh here she is now sponsoring Catherine's dog <laughs> <laughs> You can't get enough of it, David. It's amazing. Uh, so what an absolute treat. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's you've had some week, haven't you? I have. Yes, I really have. No, it's it's been it's been great to to be on site, you know, back at a tennis event um, and obviously getting to speak to Billie Jean King was the highlight. You know, as you said, you've got a warm feeling. She just injects you with that positivity and that enthusiasm and love for the game that she has and you know I hope that hope that came across in in the chat because it certainly you know I felt that when I was speaking to her mm. and uh and what do you think of Prague I, I know you got a chance to have a little wander about this morning I did a very big wander about um there's about 19,000 steps around Prague today <laughs> um good man well I sort of had three or four hours this morning before the tennis started. And yeah, I mean, what a city. I, I loved it. Wandered into the centre, both sides of the river. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. You know, the red roofs, there's so many towers. Just sort of round every corner, there's a beautiful building. And yeah, I obviously haven't haven't seen you know, I've scratched the surface of Prague, but I very much like what I saw and, and would love to come back. Yeah, well, I'm sure you will. I mean, I have to say, I was saying exactly those things 22 years ago, and I've never been back. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely desperate to go. I can't believe I haven't gone this time. Uh, I, I kind of, I mean, I know they, they held the um, the draw for the qualifiers, didn't they, before the the final took place today and i know britain have drawn the czech republic uh, in in mid-april of next year in order to try to win a place in this competition this time next year and, and the event is going to take place in november again next year isn't it they haven't actually announced where it's going to take place but if it was going to be in prague I'm going, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be joining you. Um but anyway, we'll 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 find out. Look, I I mean I don't think I don't think the event's perfect. I think it's uh, the, they did an incredible job to get it on, really considering the the troubles they were given by Budapest pulling out and um you know, the fact that Prague stepped up and and the Czech Tennis Federation, everybody involved managed to stage this i think is a great achievement and a and a i think something to be grateful for at the same time i think it we're i feel to use your terminology of earlier we're only scratching the surface i think this event can be so much bigger so much better in the future it'll be easier once there's more room to to plan and and grow and and it'll grow somewhat organically i think once hopefully covid is no longer a factor it'll be easier to to for people to move about and fly in and come and watch and all the rest of it um but i've i still can't get away from the fact that i just wish this event was given a significance and a and a position and a priority in the calendar by all the bodies the governing bodies get the slams behind it join it up with the davis cup have it completely equal have it the fifth slam i say all the time that is what i want for the team event of the calendar and um this was great and i think it could be so much greater that's that's all i all i have to say on it um and maybe that'll never happen but you know i've been hanging around billy jean king so i think anything's possible <laughs> yeah i i really agree with that assessment I think there have been lots of great elements to this week the tennis has been compelling as it always is you know you line the matches up these players will deliver um, they've bought in they've competed hard as you said Prague stepping in the organization the setup I think the sort of look of the court has all been really good um, and the sort of spirit of the event has been maintained with some lower ranked players and players we don't expect, you know, having having some big weeks, there being some upsets. Um, I like the idea of all the teams coming together in one place. 
I do think there's potential for an extra round of home and away ties and the sort of final element to be slightly fewer teams. Um, and I certainly agree that all the sort of disappointments need to be caveated with we're still in COVID times. You know, that that has surely got to affect fans travelling. It's going to, it's affected the players throughout the season. It's affected the organisation. I'm not sure we can fully judge the event yet. But what I would say is that if you if your conclusion this week was that this is as good as the event can be, you're selling it short. You're spe- you're selling the sport short. It, it could be so much better than this in terms of getting more top players, bigger crowds, and exactly as you say, having the spotlight purely on it. You know, I've been very yeah. I've been very caught up in it, of course, because I'm here. But I'm well aware that Paris has been happening and that's been creating an, an incredible buzz in tennis because, you know, the scenes just, I mean, just look at them, compare, contrast. The atmosphere in Bercy has been electric and Djokovic is there, Medvedev's there. You know, there's there's a lot happening in Paris and it does sort of detract from this competition. It takes it away. And I think that's a shame. You know, Billie Jean King's right. This is the World Cup of women's tennis and it should have the spotlight on its own. I think ultimately, I agree with you, the long-term vision, in my opinion, is a mixed team event. I think in the short term, there are changes you could make to both the Davis Cup and the Billie Jean King Cup to optimise the current formats, you know, and keeping them separate, men and women. As I said, fewer teams perhaps in the final, an extra round of home and away. Um, I think the Davis Cup is experimenting this year with splitting it across cities. That will hopefully help with... Um, having more home teams, just not having matches in the morning when it's harder for people to attend, you know, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Davis Cup goes. We'll obviously have a much better idea in in a month's time or so once that event has happened. But yeah, I think I agree. Uh, a good week, but it can be better. Mm. And Matt, we'll be going to Madrid as well for the Davis Cup finals. So we'll be bringing you some shows from there also, as well as uh, the WTA and the ATP finals. We'll have as many shows as we can muster, put it that way. Uh, There probably won't be every single day because we're human, but we'll do our very best. Um, And we will be back, in fact, on Monday. Matt won't. Matt's got other engagements. We're actually going to let him have a day off and go and do some other life (laughs) events. Um, But uh, Catherine and I will be because Catherine's been presenting all the tennis from Paris. Uh, The final takes place tomorrow as we talk to you now between Daniel Medvedev and Novak Djokovic. And just a quick note to say congratulations to Novak Djokovic for ending the year seven times as the world number one breaking Pete Sampras's record his hero Djokovic's hero he broke his record today he's got more years at world number one than anybody has ever had in the men's game so uh, quite astonishing it is mind-boggling that achievement and you know what came to me today is the fact that there's actually been a couple of seasons in which Djokovic has won two slams and not finish the year number one. 2016, he won the Australian Open and Roland Garros, and Andy Murray finished the year number one. And 2019, he won the Australian Open and Wimbledon, and Rafael Nadal finished the year number one. I think, you know, that just shows the era as well that he has done this in. It has Mm. been blooming hard to finish the year number one, and for him to have done it a record number of times, it's it's another stat in his favour, you know, in, in, in the big debate. It's a big one. Mm. And he had to do it 7-6 in the third against Hubert Hercatch today. So, well, hats off to you, Novak Djokovic. Um, so, yeah, we'll be reviewing Paris with Catherine on Monday. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed this series of Billie Jean King Cup finals dailies. Um, I know Matt's enjoyed his stint out in Prague. I've loved talking to him every single night. Matt, you've done a fantastic job, and today was the greatest. I've loved <laughs> loved every minute of those press conferences. I was barely I was barely breathing when you were having that conversation with Heinz Guntart and Belinda Benchage and and Jill Teichman piping up with uh, with better not better not talk to the Russian team <laughs> at the moment. Anyway, oh, so good. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. 
We'll be back uh, in a couple of days' time. We've had a couple of cats as our mascots this week. Who are they, Matt? Well, very aptly, one of them is Samson, you know, without the over at the end, but Samson and Chester, lovely cats. Wonderful cats, indeed. And we've got our own personal mascots, Scouse or Mouse or for Matt, Rogue for me, Zeus for Catherine, Chris Albert Lee is the boss. He is the top bloke who's our executive producer with us all the time. Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, And we'll be back again on Monday. Thanks so much to you all for listening and for all your lovely messages that we've been receiving the last few days. Uh, Do tell friends, if you know anybody else you think might listen and enjoy the tennis podcast, do do let them know about it. And uh, we'll be back with you in a couple of days' time. 